Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to a very spicy edition of the Falcoholic Live here on the Falcons vs. Bucks Week 5 post-game show. First half of that game, pretty brutal. Uh, second half got a lot spicier and then ended with perhaps the worst roughing the passer call you'll ever see. I'm Kevin Knight, joined by my co-host Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way on the Twitters to break down the travesty and uh, the rest of the game of two. But obviously, I know everyone wants to talk about the call. That's what we're going to, of course, get to first. Thank you to everyone for coming in. Uh, yeah, and before we get started, Adnan, uh, how are you doing after the end of that game? Um, I'm pretty upset. Uh, it, it, it just feels... It, it just feels like a robbery. And, you know, I was over here just thinking about, you know, the first half of the game and just, you know, thinking about the narrative, you know, the story from the first half of the game, which was Falcons can't uh, get, can't move the ball at all. Marcus Mariota looks really, really freaking bad out there for a while. Um, and, you know, I saw there were some calls for Desmond Ritter to get put in the game and I, you know, we'll get to that eventually. I don't think that that is the right decision right now to uh, to pull the plug on Mariota and to put in Desmond Ritter at the moment. Um, and then we saw, you know, just an incredible fight out of this team. And that's something that this team has done, you know, every single week, you know, this season. Well, we saw it in week two when when they were down 28 to three against the against the Rams. And, you know, you just I just couldn't help but feel the sense of overwhelming pride uh, just from just from just from how much they were fighting. And, you know, they were down 21 nothing. And, you, you know, this was a team that you could truly be proud of. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's just so frustrating to me because this team went out there and they deserved a chance to to win this game. You know, we talk we talk about uh, the culture. We talk about changing the culture and how it won't happen overnight. Uh, we talk about you know the culture with uh, what we had with Dan Quinn here and with um, Thomas Dimitrov and how it was just a culture of losing and how they were just absolute losers for years and years. And no, that won't change overnight. But you know, we're we're seeing it start to change now. We're seeing it start to change this season. And you you caught glimpses of it in, in week two against the Rams when they could have easily just folded up. And it, it could have easily been like, oh, all right, you know, you know, we'll pack it up. We're playing the defending uh we're playing the defending NFC champions or the defending Super Bowl champions. And we're just gonna you know, it's not our week. And again this week. They could have just packed it up. They could have said, you know what, it, it just was not our week this week. But no, they went out there against Tampa Bay, you know, against the division favorites, against the Super Bowl winners from two seasons ago. And, you know, they fought like hell. And, you know, they gave them hell. And, mm -hmm. you know, they had Tampa Bay fucking shaking. And, you know, apparently they probably had the league shaking <laughs> as well because, you know, they were trying to, Set, set some shit up for Tom Brady to not lose. But even through that first holding penalty, and, you know, I think that that first penalty on A.J. Terrell, and it's not going to get talked about as much, I think that was a really weak call. It looked like it was within the first five yards. Um, yeah, the grab wasn't even that egregious either. That sort of stuff happens all the time. It's not something that you call in that moment. Like, you know, on that was third down and five. 
in this game, when when there has been this much, you know, aggressiveness and chippiness, you you don't make that call. You, you know, that's that's the refs kind of bailing the the Buccaneers out. Yeah, especially if it, since it was a play where you know it wasn't even going to Mike Evans, and then the team still fights through that adversity. Like it, it, it's, yep. it's unbelievable. Like they still kept fighting like hell after that, and they get a sack, man. Like. You know, they stole it from my man Grady Jarrett. They stole Grady his Jarrett, sack. Grady Jarrett again. He, has he almost had, did it three he, games in a row. Yeah, he's had two incredibly timely, timely sacks. You know, to to win us the games the past two weeks, and now that was the worst. That was the worst roughing the passer call I've ever seen in my Maybe life. Maybe of all time. It, it legitimately but, might be. Yeah, like that was the worst roughing the passer call of all time. And it's not just us. Like you know, we're in here talking about. You know, we're Falcons fans. You can say that we're biased. Uh, you, you know, oh, what do they know? You know, obviously we, we have a vested interest in the game, and we do. But you're seeing it through the entire mainstream media. Everyone on Twitter. Twitter is blowing up over this terrible call. And that was just, I can't even put into words how frustrating this is because there's nothing that you can really do about it. You know, the refs make that call, and this just feels like – you know, it feels like a structural mistake in the NFL that these officials aren't going to be punished for this at all. You know, maybe if we're lucky, it, there's going to be some, you know, apology to the Atlanta Falcons that won't mean shit. But the thing that frustrates me the most is that this team deserved to win. It, it deserved to have a chance to win. Like, I'm not saying that they would have, you know, driven the length of the field and that they would have, you know, scored another touchdown. They might have. They were they were running the ball really well. Time was running out. But they deserve to have a chance. And they were completely robbed of that chance. Like, it, it, I just don't know what to do. I, I'm so... I'm so fucking distraught about it because... Just because they deserve the opportunity. Yeah. Like, and who sure, knows what would have happened, but yeah. Who knows what would have happened, but but if they would if the team was just out there looking lifeless and you know getting in their own way and you know just making mistake after mistake, then I maybe I don't even feel some type of way about it. But this team went out there and they fought like fucking hell, man. Like they went out, they scored 15 straight points in the fourth quarter. The Buccaneers were shaking. It they were forcing three and out after three and out after three and out. They were driving the length of the field. You know the run game was working. I, I think Arthur Smith dialed up the the run 18 times in 22 plays. They got the two point conversion. Like they got the two point conversion. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know that they had full momentum and they weren't playing for overtime. Who knows what would have happened, but holy fucking shit, man. <laughs> it's so it, man. bad. It's they so just bad. Fucking, they just fucking did, and it was just so – it's just so frustrating that we're not talking about the game. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about what was on the field. We're talking about egregious officiating, and I just have no idea. I have no idea how you make that call. I don't know why you make that call. Like, should, shouldn't the – You could ref- pick it up. Like, you could pick it up when you see the replay. Like, you can. It's possible to do that. <laughs> There had to have been more than one referee who was, you know, who saw it. You know, they had to consult. I don't know how. I, I don't. And they weren't out there. And again, another thing, a part of that fight, they did it without Cordero Patterson. They did it without Kyle Pitts. They were down 21 nothing, And I would not have faulted them at all if they just said, all right, you know what, this is, you know, it's not our day. It's not our day. It's. You know, it's in Tampa. I wasn't expecting to to win this game. I don't think most Falcons fans were expecting to win this game. And they just, they had the chance. that They almost did it. And again, they were just robbed. Like, I, uh, it, it's a fucking robbery. It, it's it's the Tampa Bay screw job. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I don't know what else to say. This is in my opinion, almost as bad as that no call on Richard Sherman in 2016 uh, on the Julio Jones pass interference. And the only reason why I'm putting that slightly ahead of this is because the Falcons were already in field goal range. They were going to win the game had that call been made. You had Matt Bryan on the team, a pro bowler that season. You don't know exactly if they would have won it you know, with this uh, had there not been any calls. 
but they deserve the fucking chance and they were fucking robbed and yeah yeah i just i I, i'm just I, I feel so bad for arthur smith i feel so bad for that defense for dnps for the coaching staff because they fucking deserve the chance they really put it together like i think in the second half they decided to to mostly scrap it and i think the passing game was clearly not working like at all and that limits you um there's a lot of things that i want to touch on too i do want to get to some of these tips that was an amazing rant uh, rant on and i i couldn't i couldn't interrupt it for the for the tips no offense to the tippers we really appreciate you guys but yeah. you know you guys know you have to let adnan go like you can't you can't uh, interrupt greatness right uh, so, I, I i'd rather not rant. i'd rather we just win <laughs> and, I, and i just be happy you know i'd rather also just ride off into the sunset uh, at three and two but you know we can't have nice things here let me get to these donations real quick before we continue on thanks to everyone for hanging out with us right now appreciate you guys uh we got Solaire guy fieri with the one dollar saying i choose to believe that Jer- jerome boger is already in hashtag draft takes mode same with Mar- mariota because he's absolutely terrible george is 100 percent right on that that said mariota is a great tank commander <laughs> hopefully we get revenge against brady at home yeah i think the football gods uh need to get us that that week 18 w to, to repay this this slight to this affront to all football it's not just the falcons it's an affront to all football yeah and there's a reason why everyone is has the reaction that they do like yeah. you know people like non-falcons fans members of the media uh you know mitchell schwartz uh shane and sharp like they immediately went out there and they're like yeah this is bullshit like like this is that's not football put flags on them you know at this point if you're gonna call that a, a rough in the passer like I, I get it we need we need to focus on player safety and i like what the nfl has done regarding player safety you know with limiting some of these dirty hits but that wasn't a dirty hit like at this point legitimately go out there and play two-hand touch if you're gonna make that call like like play flag football if that's gonna be the call like how 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 can you call that a roughing the past with that? <laughs> right. Like, I, I can only imagine someone coming back in time from like the fucking 1980s or something and seeing that call. And, and it's like, you know, what, what reaction would they have to that? Yeah. It, I don't know, man. It, it's that that's fucking weak. Like football, we get it. Like I get it. Like football is a dangerous sport, but football is an inherently dangerous sport. You will never make football not dangerous. Yep. And you have to give these guys an opportunity, you know, to, to make the plays, to make their, because I think they were talking about it on the broadcast. If Grady Jarrett lets, lets Tom Brady go, like, you know, before completing the process, Tom Brady maybe gets out of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like there's literally no possible way Grady could have done that any cleaner. Like that is one of the cleanest sacks you will ever see. Like literally that's the teach tape. That is a teach tape play about how to correctly sack a quarterback. He brought him down on top of his own body. So he didn't even get hit by the ground. Like there's literally no better way to sack a quarterback, like no better way for safety. That's one of those plays where, you know, the NFL needs to put that in a video and send it to all the teams and say, hey, this is how you, you complete this sack. This is how you complete the process. Like, that's that's the thing. It's not even – there's not even a gray area about this. Like, I don't know a single thing that they saw, like, that could have that, – that could have possessed them to to think that this is – that this is a, a, a fucking flag. Like, have I you, don't uh, get it. Have you seen the video that sits out there? Uh uh, where Arthur Smith and, you know, profanity warning for those listening. I mean, it's too late, obviously. But uh, apparently Arthur Smith uh, called the ref a fucking bitch and clapped sarcastically at him, according to the uh, the, the game film. So. Good. <laughs> That's the correct call. That's the correct yeah. call. Yeah. <laughs> Arthur Smith, like, go out there and get this fine for this. And you know what? If, if I'm Arthur Blank, I'm paying that fine off. Oh, yeah. No, it's I, – I welcome it. You know, I, I think some there's some times where you need to – you need to use those sentence enhancers, and that that's definitely one of those times. So grabs uh, is up. 
<laughs> exactly. All right, let me get to some more of these donations as we continue this discussion. Uh, just want to thank everyone for coming in and hanging out with us all. Almost 400 of you. Hell yeah, let's go. Uh, if all 400 of you could just like the video right now, that'd be fantastic. I will also accept subscriptions. Uh, that would be cool, too. Uh, all right, we got Corey with the $5. He says, okay, the rules for sacking Tom Brady are as follows. First, you must ask permission. Second, if permission is granted, then you must gently cradle the head. Lay him down softly onto the pillows you have previously prepared. Cover him with a warm blankie and give him his bottle. Yes. Uh, that must be... Yeah, that... You know, I feel like Grady Jarrett might have a chance to actually pull that off if he had all of the stuff out there already on the field. But um, and can unfortunately, we just talk about how good Grady Jarrett's been. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, like just in general, he had that big fourth down stop earlier in the game on Leonard Fournette. And I mean, you know, we talked about Grady Jarrett last year had you know a slight step back from what we're used to, and you know what we're used to is you know one of the top three defensive tackles in football. But, man, he has really looked good this year. He's looked really, you know, reinvigorated. I, I think that this, that these young guys who are around him are really, you know, kind of giving Grady Jarrett his own energy out there, you know, just being around them. And, yeah. you know, he just looks, you know, we're so, we're so blessed to have Grady Jarrett. And, you know, I'm so glad that he extended his contract. And, you know, that's a guy that I really hope is a Falcon for life. He looks really fucking good this season. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so, I mean, obviously I am, you know, I'm wearing my, I know I can't see, I'm wearing my great Jarrett jersey, of course. Um, so, you know, this this is my guy. Um, I was so happy when he re-signed because I knew that meant he would be here uh, basically until he can't play anymore. Uh, and he's certainly, certainly uh, shown no signs of slowing down this season. Should have had a third straight potentially game-changing sack in this one. Uh, and he does in my heart. Uh, he, sh- he does in the hearts of the people. I think the people are with us, Adnan, on this one. And that's that's what I want to talk about, too. I do want to get to the rest of these tips because they're starting to come in. So I don't want I want you guys to make sure you get your stuff out here while we're still talking about the call, which probably will be like the vast majority of the show. But um, Corey with the $5 again, he says, uh, the roughing call was so bad. Did you forget the bad holding call on AJ Terrell? Yeah. Falcons went for two. Yeah, absolutely. We, we haven't, we barely, I mean, I know Adnan touched on it, but that was another one. Uh, the Falcons went for two, played to win. If there's such a thing as a good loss, this is it. No matter what the Falcons don't lose to the Bucks in Atlanta, I'm calling it. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be fired up for that game. There's no question about oh, that. Oh, yeah, um, that's going to be an emotional high, especially if the Falcons are still alive. Yeah. You know, and you know, that'll be Tom Brady's last regular season home game, um, or last regular season game, excuse me. And, you know, probably Atlanta is maybe their last chance to ever beat Tom Brady. And yeah, this is, these division games already have, you know, have some, some implications, you know, you kind of get up for them. Yeah. Uh, but man, like that, after this, like that game is going to be fucking, you know, it's going to be fireworks. It, it'll be like the time, like that year in 2016 where the teams met in Atlanta again in the divisional round after the Falcons got robbed in, in Seattle. So, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it eventually in week 18. But, man, it's this is now five straight losses to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Falcons, all five since Tom Brady got there. Yeah. Um, they Their head-to-head series record against the Bucs has now fallen to 28-30. and 30. This has been an all-time series. I know we all talk about the, uh, the New Orleans Saints series, the all-time head-to-head matchup. But the one against Tampa has been really back and forth throughout, you know, their history. Like, you know, it's been a period of sustained success for Tampa, you know, before Matt Ryan got there. Then after Matt Ryan got there, the Falcons had some sustained success. They went back and forth. Now Tampa Bay has the pendulum swung in their favor a little bit. And hopefully the Falcons can kind of, you know, uh, remedy that uh, come, come the next matchup and come this, you know, time period after Tom Brady when the Buccaneers fall into inevitable irrelevance as as they have been for most of their, you know, pathetic existence as a franchise (laughs) very much so yeah uh i definitely have a lot of takes i want to keep getting through these tips i definitely appreciate everyone for tipping uh the link is in the show description as well if you guys have comments you'd like us to get to ray moon with the 10 with the 10 dollars short and sweet i hate tom brady that is all uh yes good one good one ray yeah (laughs) Yeah, good i like that uh we got shmoo 2023 with the three dollars thank you man uh, he says, that call makes me question the integrity of the league and it's officiating, nothing else. I mean, I don't honestly think there is a conspiracy, but like, yeah, like if you if you wanted to take that tack, like the calls that are that egregious are the ones that make you do it. Like, I mean, the thing is, the NFL doesn't help itself in, no. 
in convincing us that there's no conspiracy when shit like that happens, especially yeah, sure. when it's Tom Brady. It just happens to be Tom fucking Brady, huh? Like, ask yourself if the roles were reversed. You know, if the Falcons were up by six, the Bucks had had momentum, and you know, let's say Vita Vea sacks Marcus Mariota that way. Do you really think that they're throwing a flag for Marcus Mariota getting sacked like that? <laughs> well, <laughs> is there a, on on third down especially? Is there a flag on you know uh, on the Bucks DB for a, a slight holding within five yards? Like, n- there's no fucking way. Like, yeah, it, they were obviously favoring Tom Brady, and you know it's it's a it's a shame, man. Because yeah. Yeah, I, I I hate that the refs are a story. I always hate whenever the refs are a story because that takes away from the game itself. Yeah, we were robbed of a potentially really good like finish here. Like, I don't know if the Falcons would have come away with it, but I think it would have been exciting. Like, either way, like I think I think there would have been like the chance of them pulling off this victory, getting that touchdown. Like, even if it didn't work out, would have been a lot better than this game being ended by penalty and an egregious one at that. So, you can accept that if the Falcons, you know, got if there was no uh, flag on Jarrett, if there was no flag on Terrell, and the Falcons sputtered out you know on, on their last drive i can accept that you, you yeah. know I, I i'd be here talking about you know it, it was a great fight it was a it was a you know sort of a moral victory but i don't i just can't accept the fact that you were robbed of the opportunity like if yeah. you have the opportunity and you don't execute and you don't complete it then it's like all right you know it happens you know the game is the game but you know this wasn't supposed to happen because god damn it that was a clean ass fucking sack yeah. Like holy shit, that was a clean sack. Yeah, it there's really no way you could make it any cleaner. That was just a completely missed tackle. I I'm definitely of the mind that first of all, any call should be reviewable. Um and I especially I mean, and we know the NFL never like does anything drastic. Uh, but like at least within two minutes, like or like within the last five minutes of a game or something. But like and that wouldn't have helped in this situation, but like I think any call should be reviewable by the league office, like by, by New York. Now I think they should like exercise a lot of restraint about reviewing calls, but I think if they see one that's egregious, they should be able to flag it and be like, Hey, Hey, you know, we, the, we, the league wants to take a look at it, pause the game. Like, because I think you could like, if you just had another set of eyes, another person, any other person would probably have said like, that's not roughing. Like we need to wave that off. Like we've seen that, that, and you know the only way that this will change is if this happened in a playoff setting. Like if this happened in, in a huge playoff scenario. Yeah. Um it's just like the uh the Chiefs and Bills last year and you know I agree with them making the um uh making the the overtime rules change. Uh I I like that. I like the rule change, but they were never going to do that you know uh, until something you know, happened last year, and, and it had to be have been one of the NFL's golden boys, Josh Allen, and, and the Buffalo Bills. So I, I don't know. It just feels like a broken system. That the only way there's change is if you know it happens to one of the guys that the NFL favors. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sad. Um, and like, yes, I mean, I, you're absolutely right. Like, I think that the NFL is just always going to give superstar quarterbacks preferential treatment. That's part of the reason that everyone wants to get one too, right? Because if you get one, then you can sometimes be on the the receiving end of some of these good calls. Um, it shouldn't be that way, but it always will be because the NFL's a money-making business. They're always going to lean towards protecting their product. Um, if, it get, if it gets much, much worse with like roughing the passer, it's like, okay, do we need to have the conversation about making like quarterback two hand touch? Like, because like, if you really can't let anyone touch the quarterback, like that's the conversation we're going to have to have. And naturally that's going to prevent a lot of scramble plays. Cause guys only need to get hands on the quarterback and all this crazy ass shit. And like, no, that should never ever be a thing. But like, we're almost to that point now where it's like even a completely clean hit on the quarterback, a completely clean sack, like textbook is potentially going to get flagged for roughing the passer under this current set of rules. Um, and like, just like the Falcons, you know, hopefully will be the catalyst for the league finally taking a look at this. Like usually it's these really egregiously bad ones that force the league to do something. I don't know if anything's going to happen, but I'd like to think so, but I doubt it. Like I doubt that the NFL will do anything right now, except it would for... probably be after the season. Yeah. I mean, if anything, of course, like yeah. even after the season, I, I think there's going to be an uproar on Twitter 
And, you know, because it's Atlanta, because it's a regular season, because the refs, you, because the, the league would rather Tom Brady win, nothing's going to happen. This happened to the Bucks in the playoffs. Or, you know, if this happened to the Chiefs in the playoffs or the Bills or the Rams, then maybe there's a there's like a legitimate conversation. But now this way, they're not doing shit about it. Like, yeah, look, it's the exact same thing. Like the Falcons got robbed in the Super Bowl. No one cared because it was the Falcons yeah, look, with exactly. the overtime thing. The and then the Bills thing. get robbed and they, yeah. they, they just change. It's the it. same yeah. thing. It's the <laughs> same exact scenario. And why? Because, you know, Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl is better for the league than the Falcons winning the Super Bowl. You know, Josh Allen not making Josh Allen not getting an opportunity in the AFC championship game is bad for the league or the AFC divisional round. It's bad for the league. Whereas, you know, if Matt Ryan doesn't get an opportunity, it's like, you know, okay, it's whatever, you know, we had Tom Brady win. Yeah. Just ridiculous. I I agree with you there. Uh, We got OMT with the $3. That looked like a tackle an eight year old would make. And everyone on the sideline would say, good job, kid. The NFL hates it. Yeah, I mean, there's literally teach tape that sack. Like, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, I, I don't think you could do it any better. Uh, like I be said, that's yeah. something that you put in a video and send to teams and say, yeah, this is how you do it. Yeah, it's it's just brutal. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really know what else to say. It, it was a really bad call. You know, I think that the Terrell hold was not a good call either. It was nowhere near this one. Um and, like, also to, to Luke Easterling on Twitter, like, a guy I generally respect, he's out here like, oh, well, the refs missed that pass interference, you know, down the sideline on the previous play. So, like, it doesn't matter that they blew this rough and call. Like, come on, man, get out of here. Like, that, that DPI, like, yeah, do I think it was probably flaggable, the D. Alford play to Scotty Miller? Like, yeah, probably. But, like, it wasn't that egregious. I mean, like, I, I agree that, like, more often than not, that should probably be flagged. But, like, it wasn't egregious. Like, this roughing call is, like, one of the worst calls of all time. Just sit down. Like, just sit down. Don't try to both sides disofficiating for the Bucks. Like, just shut the fuck up, okay? Like, <laughs> like there's, like, come on, man. Like, it, it don't don't try to belittle this bad call by saying they missed another questionable call earlier on the drive. Like, just like I won't say anything about the A.J. Terrell hold that I think, again, is another play that you should flag. Uh, that is, goes the other way. I mean, you should probably not throw the flag on that more often than not. But, uh... You know, it, it it it's not like let's not pretend that those two calls were even remotely on the same plane um, of of like being bad calls. Like one was completely unexcusable. The other one was like somewhat questionable. So, you know, relax, buddy. Uh, like your bucks won. Like, come on, stop trying to both sides an awful call. Like, that's just uncouth. Um all right, Noah Cook with the ten dollars. <laughs> I know, I know the refs were all over Brady. Sorry, no, I can't read that part. Uh, just happy about how much heart our team had, <laughs> our team has uh, as a whole today, offense and defense. This was much more of a moral win for our boys in red. Yeah, I mean, there's not really moral victories, but this is about as close as you can get, right? Yeah. Like the narrative of this game is completely changed. Like. Going, before that, it would have been like, oh, the Bucks took care of business. You know, they fended off, maybe fended off a Falcons rally. They're still the best team in this division. No one's going to talk about the Bucks in this game. Like, no one's going to be praising them or doing anything. They're going to be talking about the Falcons being robbed. And that's, in some ways, that is a moral win for Atlanta. Like, they're going to be like, oh, these Falcons are legit. They should have had a chance to win this game. No one's going to be talking about the Bucks, you know, squeaking it out uh, with, the, with some referee assistance. So that is meaningful. So it's good of you to, to notice that. Yeah, it's um, and, and like I said, it's you love the what you love seeing this from um from the team seeing this fight because yeah you, you know that's just a testament to great coaching and you know I tip my cap to Arthur Smith I tip my cap to DMPs even though they're two and three it's it's a damn impressive two and three given you know given who they faced on this schedule and just given the fact that all three of those losses were you know, one score games where they legitimately could have won. Like in another world where, where you know, some, some things break your way, this team is sitting at 5-0 and right now. I'm not saying that they deserve to be 5-0, and but just the fact that, you know, a play here and a play there, and they, they could be 4-1, and 5-0, like that's, you know, that's something to me. Like that, that I think that means something in a transition year where you're, where you're looking to build. Because last year the team had ten losses, and you know, nearly damn near all of them were just fucking terrible losses. Yeah, it. I agree, and that's honestly like 
about halfway through the third quarter, I was feeling like, oh, I thought we were past this. Like, I thought this team was going to be different than last year. And that last year, when things started to go bad, like, sometimes they would just completely fall apart and, like, they'd get blown out. And, like, those two, what, three blowout games I think they had, or maybe even four. But, um, you know, like, the Patriots won, the Cowboys won. Like, they got down early, and then that was it. Like, they didn't even fight back. Like, it was, they just got crushed the rest of the game. That obviously did not happen, and I was, I was happy about that. Um, you know, it felt very familiar until it didn't, right? Like, and I think this team is is slowly piece by piece showing us that, like, okay, this they're like they're they're hurt. You know, they're not as talented as these contending teams, but they are going to play, and they're going to play four quarters. Um, they're not ever going to really be out of it, which is nice to see. And you know, we've seen that twice now against two contending opponents in the Rams and the Bucks that they've been able to close the gap. They've been able to tighten up on defense and and find and have a chance to at least make a play to win the game at the end. And they've done that every week. Every single game, they've kept it within a score. They've had a chance. Um, so it it's frustrating, uh, very frustrating to watch. Um, it's disappointing because you like you would have liked to at least see the Falcons get a chance to win this game. And maybe they don't. You know, I think there's probably a better than not chance that they don't get the touchdown. Um, but... They should have had the chance, and we were all robbed of a potentially, like, really good ending to this football game, and instead everyone's left. I mean, I think even, like, neutral fans, because this game was all over the place. Like, I was getting this locally in Atlanta. I booted up my uh, Sunday ticket, and it was, like, blacked out. I was like, oh, what? Yeah, it was, like, on—it was even on local TV up here in, uh, in New York, and, like— so everyone in the NFL was watching this. That's part of the the reason it was so so like it's taken off so much and why it's getting so much traction is because this was the national game at one o'clock, and uh, it's a damn shame that it ended like this. Um, and you know, it, obviously, it couldn't happen to a worse person than Tom Brady. <laughs> but uh, you know, it it's just it just keeps happening to him. Uh, you know, he's made a deal with the devil, Adnan. I don't know that there's any sort of anything anyone else can do about that. He just, you know, the, there's some kind of cosmic thing with Tom Brady. He just keeps being on the receiving end of all this luck. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's just, you know, the rich get richer. You know, some guys just always fall upward. Um, and, you know, he has all of this luck on the football field. He, he's apparently not having very much off the football field lately. <laughs> I, was, uh, I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. there is, you know, report reports, you know, indicate there may be some, some difficulties. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You know, yeah. I'm not going to talk about, you know, the man's personal life like that. Um, other than, you know, what, what the media already know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. and what we already know in the media. You guys already know everything. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. And, and also like, I don't know if you saw Antonio Brown's like tweet, but that shit was insane. Uh, go on Antonio Brown's Twitter and look at his last, like, picture that he like posted like that man is just i don't know cte is winning that battle like decisively um yeah. but yeah it's i, I don't know I mean, like, like honestly part of me is like or, or most of me all of me is like you know what i wouldn't even give a fuck had we had we completed <laughs> that super bowl yeah, you know that that just. <laughs> I would was, have, for the record, yes. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't even care about his luck or like whatever is happening. Had we just like beaten him and completed that Super Bowl, but you know, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. I'm no need to rehash old wounds. I, yeah. I know yeah. I, do, I do sometimes, but you know, Every not not today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah it, it was just, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I wish him the worst of luck uh, moving right. forward in this season. Yeah. And, you know, I hope they get knocked out immediately in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. If you guys are looking for that clip of Arthur Smith exchanging words with the ref, I retweeted it. So if you just go to my Twitter at Falcoholic Kevin, uh, it's probably like the first tweet on my feed because, you know, I don't tweet while we're recording. That would be uncouth, except for the promotion tweets that those don't count. But um, yeah, uh, we should probably actually talk about the rest of the game at some point. But it just it just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth. And I I think. um. This is going to, like, and somebody in the chat said it, and I agree. It's like, I remember before the season, it was on one of our, like, final pregame shows or whatever, and I was like, everyone's talking about the Lions as this, like, spicy, you know, competitive team, and, like, I don't think that the Lions are any different than the Falcons. Like, I think both of these teams are pretty much the same, like, but the Lions are getting all the love because of hard knocks and all this, and everyone thinks the Falcons are going to be terrible. And, like, where are we now in week five? Like, the Falcons have been 
infinitely more competitive than the Lions. Uh, they haven't gotten any of the shine, but I think that's going to change now. I mean, I think it has yeah. changed, you know, over yeah, the past I mean, two they, weeks. But the Lions look terrible today against yeah. the Patriots. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they have the worst defense in the NFL. Like that defense is looking like fucking Falcons circa 2013, 2014. Yeah, like, oh my god, dude, it's so bad. End of Mike Smith era defense. Um, and yeah, I I don't know. Like, it, it I I like I like the Lions. Like you know personally, and you know I have you know friends up in Detroit, and you know they're big Lions fans, but. I, I didn't get the, like, it, you know, the calls of, you know, the Lions are a dark horse playoff contender and the Lions are going to do this and that. Like, that's still not a great team. Like, their whole line is really good. Uh, you know, DeAndre Swift, you know, go dogs. A big DeAndre Swift guy. Amon Ross St. Brown is really good. But, you know, other than a couple playmakers, that team is just – that's not a playoff team. And their defense is just oh, fucking horrendous. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it, it it is what it is. Like one of the funniest, like um, uh, I don't know. Go look up the Detroit Lions um banners that they have at uh, above Ford Field. Like you know the little division banners and stuff that that every team puts up, and you know teams put up their Super Bowl banners, and you know they won the division this year. Go look at the Detroit Lions one. Like like just search it up. Yeah. Um, because that shit is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life when it comes to banners. It, yeah. It's it's literally like it, it says NFL playoffs, like when they went to the NFL playoffs, and it's just like you know it has their like old 1930s, 1950s stuff, then it has like 1970, 82 up to like 99, and then there's like a whole ass like third one that just says NFL playoffs, and it just says 2011. Like that yeah. shit looks pathetic. I'm on a tangent, but I I just needed to, you know, I I just needed to share that with everyone. Look, go look, go look it up if you want to laugh. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was bad. It was real bad. Um, and and every single person that tweets out that you know that penalty doesn't matter because you know they the refs missed a DPI. Like you're getting it from me, okay? You're gonna get it because. We could go back like 15, you know, you want to go back and talk about bad calls? Like, okay, what about the AJ Terrell call? Like, you want to play that game? Like, stop trying to, like, justify the awful roughing the passer call. Like, why are you doing this? It was an awful call. What are you possibly gaining from being like, oh, well, it should have never happened because of that DP. Like, if you want to play that game, we could, we could go back as long as you want. We can go tip for tat on that one. It doesn't have anything to do with the refs calling an awful roughing the passer call it's just like like are you just trying to prop up the bucks here like like is it that much of a toe the company line thing like if this happened and the falcons won i would not be out here trying to justify like it being a good call because the falcons like got away with something like like i mean it just come on man just like we don't you don't need to do this (laughs) like you're just like are you just being a contrarian to be funny like i don't think literally like anyone else neutral is calling this like a, you know, understandable call because they missed a previous call. Like it just, we're not like the discourse is so, the discourse is so stupid. Like why, why aren't we just all getting behind the roughing call being one of the worst calls of all time? Like, why do you have to try to denigrate it with something else? Like, no, like stop it. Like you're, you're, you're just actively taking away from this actual discussion we're trying to have to apologize for the refs because there was a call, like a questionable call pre- previously in the game. There were like 50, like every single game, there's like 20 questionable calls. There's a reason that none of those calls are getting the the, <laughs> the shine that this one is. Okay? I think the old like, thing is you can call holding on literally every single yeah. play. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh like, don't, don't go down that road because it's not going to end well for you. Not, not because me, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm some nobody that covers the Falcons, but like, Nobody agrees with you except maybe Bucks fans. Uh, so I guess if you're going for that market, I, I think you can love Bucks fans like. would be like, yeah, that that was a. I I agree. Like I don't see a lot of Bucks fans. I see a few being like, oh well, it doesn't matter because you know they missed DPI. It's like, yeah, they missed a lot of shit in this game. It doesn't have anything to do with that that play. Uh, so you know whatever, man. But uh, yeah, the rest of the game, let's let's get into it. I mean, the Falcons did finish with a respectable rushing total once again, uh, 159 rushing yards, or 51, excuse me. 
Uh, unfortunately, the passing game was absolutely abysmal. Uh, 110 no. pa- no. Like net passing yards. Mariota's just 14 of 25 for 147. Started to hit some things late, but and like it's not 100% Mariota's fault. Like this is a depleted set of weapons. Um, there were some drops certainly, um, but I think overall Mariota's overall accuracy in this one was was not good. Um, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I just want. There's a reason why the Falcons dialed up the run 18 times in 22 plays. You know, down three and then two scores late in the game. Like they wouldn't have done that if if Arthur Smith was all trusting of Marcus Mariota. Like Mariota is clearly putting a tap on uh, on Atlanta's you know offense and on Atlanta's offensive potential. Um, but you know, he at, at the very least this week. You know, he wasn't as bad as last week. He, he at least contributed Feels himself. Like just, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Whoa, that was interesting. <laughs> it was an ESPN ad. I believe it. I believe it. Those things yeah, are Yeah, it was an ESPN ad. That's pull- it, guys. There's nothing else going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was pulling up the box score. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, at, at the very least, Marks Mariota, like, contributed himself this week. Like, you, you know, in the run game, he had – what sixty-one rushing yard? He was the team's leading rusher this uh, this week. Um, but yeah, it, it was his his passing app accuracy is just all over the place. Um, he's not the guy long term. Like I, I'm sorry, he's he's not. Um, my apology to Mark Mariota stands <laughs> yeah. out there. Um, but you know the run game was was looking good overall. Avery Williams had a touchdown, uh, which much to the chagrin of Tyler Algier fantasy owners. Um, Tyler Algier got some carries, but he wasn't super efficient with them. But he, you know he he got some of those grinded out between the tackles, you know type runs that that you need. Yep. Um, and it you know it was just you know the run game is it has been incredible this season like we talked about it on the Wednesday show how this offensive line has gone from 31st you know from supporting the 31st ranked run game the second worst in the in the NFL or the 31st rank to one that's top five is just beyond my comprehension you know without any major changes um but you know the O-line looked really good run blocking they didn't look so good pass blocking Marcus Mariota was under pressure you know, a lot in this game and Tampa Bay does have a really good defense. It's not, it's not Cleveland's defense with no Miles Garrett and no Jadavion Clowney and no Taven Bryan. And, you know, the Falcons are going to go as they will with the run game, but you can't, you can't win at a consistent level in the year 2022 with just the run game and without major contributions from the passing game as well. And that's where we're hoping that Desmond Ritter will come in, will come into play eventually. Uh, I don't think right now is the time for Desmond Ritter because, you know, not this week against Tampa Bay. I don't think it'll be the time next week against San Francisco. Like, do you really want to throw this rookie to the Wolves against Nick Bosa and that San Francisco 49ers defense with no Cordero Patterson, you know, with no Kyle Pitts? I get it. Like some rookies have to be baptized by fire. You know, some rookies, you know, have to be thrown into it because you know, their teams are trying to win now and there's no other options. The Falcons aren't in that position. Like the Falcons are in a position to bring Ritter along slowly and to give him every single opportunity for success, you know, that's possible. Uh, and I, I don't see why you wouldn't want to do that because you know why throw him out? Throw him uh, out to the wolves with no weapons when you don't have to. Like Marcus Mariota is making six million dollars this year to pretty much, you know, take some of those snaps. He, he's like he's like a veteran starting pitcher who whom you're asking to eat innings in the dog days of summer in, in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, let's uh. Let, let's let's calm down on, on the Ritter takes for at least a couple of weeks. Let, let's at least move it past the 49ers, past the Bengals, and then let's start talking about Desmond Ritter after that. Well, like yeah. I don't think that it will be fair to him right now. And personally, I'd wait for um, for Cordero Patterson and for Kyle Pitts to come back before before throwing them out there. 
Yeah, at least Pitts. Um, because it's just you can see like without Pitts as a threat out there every play, the the team like Tampa could just sort of key and start sitting on these routes and, and, and really just cover the short area of the field, really sit on Drake London and um, you know, try to stack the box against the run. Like it it, it really like even if they're not gonna throw it a ball to Pitts, the his like threat of as a deep option, uh, it just demands so much attention. And he's actually blocked well too. So like it, he's a big loss, no doubt. Um, the team didn't seem like they were concerned it would be a long-term hamstring; that they were just trying to be cautious, which I think is really smart. Um, especially since like you know I don't they were ten-point underdogs. Like I don't think it's like okay you got, we got to rush him back for this game where we're big underdogs. And maybe he would have been the difference in this one if he was healthy enough to play. I I don't think you ever rush a guy back from a hamstring injury though. That's just a bad idea, especially in week five. Um, there's a lot of season left. I, I'm con- I tweeted it out. I'm convinced that that's going to be a multi-week absence. It very well could be. Yeah. Like I do not think that you know that's just oh yeah like you know he woke up gimpy and you know he he's close to returning. That's a hamstring. He didn't. He wasn't close to practicing this week. Like you know maybe if he got three limited practice sessions this week, that then you know I'm like all right maybe he'll play next week, but. The fact that he didn't practice at all and that this is a hamstring, I'm not a doctor. I'm not pretending to be a doctor. I'm not diagnosing him. Um, but just based on everything I've seen with hamstring injuries, you know, in my life as a football fan, I think that he is going to be out at least at least next week as well. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. And again, it's really early in the season. I don't think there's a big rush to get him back before he's ready. Um so I, I, you know, I, that doesn't surprise me if that were to happen. Um, I think they'll they'll get him back as soon as they think he's recovered. Uh, they said it was just soreness, but again, hamstrings are notoriously easy to aggravate. So you you don't want to rush him back. It's just not worth it, especially because you want to get him reps with Ritter when Ritter comes in eventually. Um, so there's no reason to risk aggravating it and having him miss a lot of time and possibly not having him there for him to get reps with Ritter. Um, let me get a few more donations here. We got Noah Cook with another $3. As a wise man once said, wise like a fox. Never let them put you in a box. <laughs> we got Ray Moon with the $5. Uh, the football gods hate us so much. Even Sanat got a sack against us. Yeah, that, yeah, that was... not a revenge game out yeah, there. Today. That was not the revenge game, considering like Russell Gage and Julio and like all these guys, like Keanu Neal was supposed to be starting in this one. Like, I didn't think it would be Deidre and Sanat to actually have the revenge game. That was way down the list of possible revenge games. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's... Deidre and Sanat, yep. Um, it's... Uh, I guess where I'm going to go next is that like this passing game is extremely limited and partially that's due to injury, but it's, it's becoming very clear that this is not ever going to be a a tight, like a, like super good passing game. Like the Falcons want to unleash it deep and Mariota has been very inconsistent, consistent with his ball placement on those deep throws. Not all of them have been his fault. Like, it's not like he's just out here, like stinking it up, but it, it, you can tell there's a lot of limits on what he can do as, as a passer. And, and that's why we will, you know, this is now two consecutive games where Mariota's struggled a lot as a passer. Um, the, the calls are only going to get louder. It's still not the right time to insert Desmond Ritter. Like you don't, you don't put him in next week against the NFL's number one defense. That's just going to crush his confidence if things don't go well. Um, you know, I, I think the earliest you see him is Cincy, but I still think it's most likely to be Carolina week eight. Um, that you see Ritter. I, I don't think there's much of a chance it'll be San Francisco or Cincinnati. I think it's just, you let it, you, you let it ride. Um, give Mario a chance to recover. Um, probably not going to happen next week against the 49ers. Right. I mean, that's a brutal matchup, but um, man, it's a, uh, that's a lot to ask Ritter to come into that game and try to win it. I uh, just not, not liking that. I mean, when, when you could just wait another couple weeks and then have the Panthers who, they could get pressure on the quarterback, but I mean that is not a very intimidating team. That could be a potential confidence builder for the for the rookie, as opposed to making him go play some really damn good defenses over the next two weeks. I just don't think it's necessary to force that at this point. Like Mariota hasn't been good certainly these last two weeks, but he did run a little bit more in this one. I think they need to start leaning on that more and more, especially with Kyle Pitts out. Um because he's very effective at it. And like again, you see the things that Mariota does offer you, right? Like 
his ability to like make plays under pressure and evade stuff and sort of make some of these really magical plays happen like that's all there it's just like if if the accuracy was better we'd be talking about some of these plays like he's Patrick Mahomes or something but it's like he he does escape and does get the ball off but it's just it's getting it to these guys in in it's very difficult catches um and just the accuracy that's really the only complaint I have about Mariota along with his not being great at reading the field uh either but like he does offer you some things I don't really think he's the reason this offense is like not succeeding necessarily uh I think there was a lot of things that went wrong for the Falcons of this game you know Kaderil Hodge if he catches that screen that's probably a touchdown right that's not Mariota's fault um so you know, don't pile too much on Mariota. Don't give him the blame when this was just a very sloppy day as a whole by the offense. He deserves his share of it for the inaccuracy, um, you know, and the fumble and that sort of thing. Like that, those are things that he deserves blame for. But it's it's like it, this wasn't necessarily his fault. Um, so you know, give him his slice, but don't just pin it all on him and think that if we put Ritter into this, that it would have turned out that much differently. Um, especially when you got the refs, you know, just basically shilling for Tom Brady. So, <laughs> um, we got Corey with the five dollars once again. Thank you, Corey. He says, uh, "Taquan Graham is a very instinctive player. Wasn't fooled by the screen early in the game. I've seen so many of our linemen be fooled by those plays. Also, Marcus Mariota is in there because he can get to his last read and make the right throw, and he's doing that. He does give us a chance. Yeah, I mean, I think Mariota is like they've only lost. They've been within a score every game." win or lose. He's not tanking this team. He's not keeping this team from being competitive, but I think it's, it's, um, it's limited. And like, we don't, what we don't know the answer to is, is the offense, would the offense be less limited with Desmond Ritter? A lot of people assume that it would be, I think knowing what we know about Ritter and his arm talent and that sort of thing, and his ability to read the field. Like, I think that that probably is the case, but he's also a rookie who's going to be coming into a situation where the offensive line is very hot or cold in pass protection. And now his top, his top number one receiver is going to be out. Like, it's just not a good situation for him either. It's not a good situation for Mariota at this point. So, um, I would hold off on like the, you know, thinking that Ritter's just going to be this big time savior for the offense. Like, I think at some point he will probably bring this, bring more passing ability to this offense when he's ready, but until he's ready, it, don't do it. Like, don't force it to happen. Mariota hasn't been that bad. Like, it really hasn't been that bad. Um, keep in mind, this is a low-volume passing game to begin with. So, like, if Mariota misses throws, the yardage is not going to be there because they just don't throw the ball very often. If they don't hit these deep shots, there's not going to be a lot of passing yardage. There's not going to be a lot of volume to begin with. So, um, it's that's part of the nature of this offense is that they're just not going to chuck the ball that much. Um and when you don't have Kyle Pitts, it's going to be harder to run it because they're just going to start really crowding the line of scrimmage. Um, and, you know, maybe Zacchaeus, maybe they can unlock Bird. But, like, until Mariota can hit those deep throws consistency, consistently, they're not going to back off. They're going to start, you know, trying to, to stuff the box and really make it difficult for the Falcons to move the ball on the ground. They've managed to be successful moving it on the ground, even when teams are doing that, but it's still limiting what this offense really can do. Like, there's two parts, right, of the Arthur Smith offense you've seen in Tennessee. You've seen what he wants it to be here. They're going to be an efficient play-action pass game, and they're going to really pound the rock effectively on the ground. And right now, only half of that is working. Thankfully, the ground game is actually doing really well, even without the play-action pass game not really hitting. But you won't see this offense become good until you can hit those deep play action passes and, and have a more efficient pass game as a whole. Cause the volume is probably never going to be there unless, you know, Ritter comes in and is like this amazing passer and they just start airing it out. Like, I don't think the volume is ever going to be there. So you have to connect on those limited opportunities and partially due to some inaccuracy and partially due to some drops and mistakes. Uh, this was a bad day for the pass game. So, yeah, and also like moving beyond the offense, God damn it. You gave up, 10 catches to Leonard Fournette. Like <laughs> my fantasy team loved it though. Ooh. Yeah, can we start throwing the check down, man? Like, seriously. Th- that's what was killing us. It wasn't the deep shots. Like, sure, I know Mike Evans had a couple of deep, you know, receptions, and there were some deep shots to Scotty Miller, which were defended. But the the real killer was Leonard Fournette. Like he was he was annihilating you over the middle. Yeah. And out of the yeah. backfield. He played. He had a really good game, particularly as a receiver, like you said, which 
um, just catching just tons of passes and just running through tackle attempts. Um, so that was obviously a big problem. Uh, you know, I, I think that the Falcons right now are just, they're really afraid of getting beat deep. Um, and I don't know that there's a lot of justified reason for that. I mean, I don't think they've been awful defending the deep pass, but again, they're, they're sort of making their coverage that way. I, I do think that, you know, w- will things change when Isaiah Oliver comes back? I don't know. I think DeAlford has really stepped up. Like, he's not perfect. Uh, he is a small corner. But his, like, his fearlessness at the catch point and his just, like, I'm going to go up and I'm going to compete for every single pass. Like, DeAlford, I think, has been a really pleasant surprise. Like, he is a starting caliber slot corner. Like, he he is. Um so I don't know does it, how much Isaiah Oliver changes things. We know Oliver played really well in that four-game stretch and offers a lot as a blitzer, a lot more as a run defender than Alford, who I think is a good tackler, but he's like a 5'11", 175 corner. Like, he's never going to be a hammer against the run, never going to be a guy that's going to push the pile, you know, the other way. He can make some solid tackles. Like, he's not like a he's not as big of a liability as you'd expect a guy that size to be, but... Um, you know, it, it, what does Isaiah Oliver do for this defense? And does he come back next week? Because I think he is close to returning. Um, they said he, it was possible he could have been activated for this game. But uh, I think it's very likely he's activated for week six. But the other guy I wanted to talk about too, Adnan, was um, Troy Anderson. Had to come in for Michael Walker, who has a groin injury. Obviously, we hope Walker's okay. Uh, but Anderson missed a tackle or two. But really awesome as a blitzer almost had another blocked punt uh what did you think about troy anderson today i thought he was one of the bright spots out there i mean like uh his the tools that he has makes him someone who you know will probably excel in in that basket of the game you know the blitzing facet and you know i think he he ran what the fastest 40 time ever for a linebacker at at the combine or, or damn near close to it uh or he was, you know, RAF score. He was the most athletic linebacker of all time. Um, but yeah, he like he he's a fast guy. He's incredibly athletic. We already saw him block one punt against the against the the Rams in, in week two. You know, he's someone who, admittedly, we both you know said it before the season. He's probably a year two guy. But, you know, he could possibly get pressed in, into duty, you know, in week one or in, in year one um, yeah. because of Michael Walker's injury and because, you know, I don't think Deion Jones is going to suit up for this team again. Um, but, yeah, well, we saw it with Boya Lewican a few years ago. Remember, he was a sixth rounder. He was pressed into duty because of uh, a, a Deion Jones injury in 2018. He had a great season and, you know, for some reason, the coaching staff didn't end up going back to him in year two and, you know, uh, through most of year three. But, yeah, uh, I, I'm completely down to go with, with some of this youth youth movement a little bit. He's the next man up. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in, in the middle of that front seven moving forward because whatever he gives you in year one, in my opinion, is, is a bonus. You know, I think he is – a long-term project. He, he was very raw coming out of college, out of Montana. But now, you know, if he can, if he can give you something in year one, especially, you know, as a depth piece with, with your starter injured, uh, that'll make that second round pick look, look all the better. And Troy Anderson will forever probably be tied to the guy on, on the Bucks sideline who wasn't playing this week, Julio Jones, because, the second rounder that the Falcons got in the Julio trade, that ended up being Troy Anderson. So, you know, let, let's see, let's see how good of a trade overall that that'll end up being. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've been one of the higher people on Troy Anderson, but even I thought it would be like later this season that we started to see him get snaps. And to their credit, they've been getting him on the field, getting him some looks. It hasn't always been pretty, but you can tell immediately when he's out there, like his athleticism is off the charts. Like he flies off the, off the tape. Like he's just out there flying around. Then tackling's not always pretty. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's not great. Sometimes the angles are questionable, but again, when you're that athletic, your angles don't have to be perfect. You know, they definitely could stand to be better. Uh, And when he gets better at taking those angles and reading plays and being a more instinctual linebacker, he's going to be really dangerous because good angles plus elite athleticism equals impact player. And he's closer to that than we, than we probably 
realize, um, which honestly I'm not surprised by because this is a guy that played three positions in college at Montana State. Uh, and like, I mean, there's no way you do that if you're not a quick learner and a guy that can adapt uh, to a new scheme, a new system, a new side of the ball because he played quarterback and running back for two years before he became a linebacker. Um, so I don't. I would not ever count out Troy Anderson's ability to be a playmaker, and I think it's really encouraging that we've seen him make positive contributions thus far. And we might need him to continue to do so if Michael Walker misses an extended period of time. We don't really know the severity of the groin injury. Um, certainly doesn't sound good, but I'm not going to speculate on on what that might be. We'll probably hear about that in the next couple of days. Um, yeah. Uh, but again, the defense. I think we they they get they get a gold star. Like this was a bad, like the offense did absolutely nothing the entire first half. They completely hosed the defense and they, they never quit. Like they kept coming back and playing hard. There weren't any sacks. There should have been one, (laughs) but you know, it, the pressure was not great, but they did get it. Um, and Brady is really good at just throwing it away when the pressure's coming. You saw it happen a bunch of times. Um, you know, I liked that we saw more from Arnold Ebicady. We did see uh, Ade Ogundeji leave the game at one point with an injury. So we'll see what happens there. I do think it's past time to get Malone out there too. Um, you know, Ogundeji, uh, he's really, I think, been the edge that struggled the most on the Falcons defense. Um, so I think we need to see Ebicady, you know, officially take over that other spot and see Malone get more reps too. Um, you know, I think Quentin Bell was active over Malone today, which was very questionable to me. Um like, why are we giving this former UDFA reps over your third rounder who's flashed? You know, that I don't really get it. I'm sure there was some personnel reason for it. But to me, personally, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, the other player I really wanted to praise was Avery Williams. Had that great touchdown run. Uh, and as a returner today, I mean, he was so close to a touchdown return. Um, what did you think about Avery Williams? Uh, not in his transition to running back, maybe paying off a little bit. Yeah, no, Avery Williams is a guy where... You know, he was a DB last year, and, you know, he, he's so impressive, you know, to to transition like that from year one to year two in the NFL. You know, that's something that you do in, in high school. It's something you do in Pop Warner you know, where, you know, you switch positions or you play two different positions to play cornerback, to make it to the NFL as a cornerback, and then to have some success after after changing positions in year two. I, I talked to him for a little bit in training camp. I asked him about about that change, and he said it was the coaching staff coming up to him one day and saying, hey, would you mind playing running back for us? And, you know, his his roster spot was completely secure as, as a return man. But, you know, now he's pressed into duty as as a running back a little bit more with the injuries. He's the primary pass-catching guy back. And, you know, we'll see how much more he plays with um, Damian Williams coming back next week, hopefully, and with Cordero Patterson coming back uh, in the future. But, you know, he, he also had a really good run last week as well uh, against, against the Browns. I think he had the, the longest rushing play of the day. It was like over 20 yards or so. I think it was a 21. Or no, other than Algiers, like 40-plus yard scamper. But, yeah. Williams had uh, a very long touchdown or a very long rush last week as well. And yeah, he's, he's an incredibly impressive player. And, you know, I'm always impressed by someone who has success, uh, you know, on offense and on defense at, at the NFL level. Not that he had success as a cornerback last year, but he had success in making it to the NFL as a cornerback. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a much better fit for him. Um, I, th- I think it's clear that he really does have talent with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's very good at reading the field. I think he's becoming more patient as a returner too, which is really important. Like the way he stopped and started on that return where he almost broke off the touchdown, that was just art to me. Like you see him stop, wait for the opportunity to, to for his blocks to develop, squeeze between some guys. All, and then all he had to do is beat the kicker and another guy and they got just enough of him. But man, like... That's what we need to see from Williams because we know he has the athleticism. He's got better contact balance than you'd expect for someone his size. Uh, just to develop the patience and the ability to read the field, the Corderell Patterson-esque ability. And I think Patterson is is maybe uh, no better. I think there's basically no better person to teach him 
than Cordero Patterson. And I, I'm sure that relationship has paid off for Williams, um, who's sort of had to take over the, the total return role with Patterson on IR. Um, and yeah, uh, very good game for Williams, even though didn't end up in a Falcons win. He's been like a, a good runner too. Like, I mean, I feel his yards per carry is through the roof, <laughs> like overall uh, on the season. So uh, good on him going out there, making plays for, for an offense that really desperately needed needed some juice uh and so far he's delivering so um yeah well uh, now we're over an hour uh anything else that you want to contribute before we wrap this show up uh, yeah fuck the refs yeah <laughs> fuck them refs you know? <laughs> yeah i agree with that one uh guys thank you so much for for tuning in we really appreciate you before we uh head out i want to give out a chance to plug his stuff uh before that though Please do like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. We appreciate all like 400 plus of you that hung out with us today as we really complained about that call and it broke down the game. Uh, just brutal, but you know, these are the things we have to endure as Falcons fans. We're used to it. They picked a, they picked a good fan base to level this against because we, we can handle it. Um, but please stop giving me your toughest battles, um, please. And <laughs> guys, uh, thank you. Thanks to everyone who donated. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash live. Uh, you can get access to early episodes of all the podcasts, including the audio versions of these shows, uh, ad-free, high quality as well. I keep, I know I keep saying the Q&A is happening. It is going to happen soon. I want to get make sure you guys get some good guests for that. Um, so I'm scheduling with Dave. But if it's not this Monday, it will be within the next week. Um, but I know you guys are looking forward to that, and that's exclusive for patrons. We get all kinds of good questions. I know uh, if we do it this week, we're going to get a lot of questions, I'm sure, about this call. But uh, thanks to everyone who supports us there. Um, yeah, Adnan, he is at Say Which Way. Anything you'd like to plug before we take off? Uh, Fantasy Stud and Dud is going, I think, on Tuesday. So, yeah, check that out. And I'll be diving into next week's matchup into the series history scenarios if we win and lose. Uh, another another very tough tough test for the Falcons next week. Yeah. Uh, this time at home. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't get any easier, especially defensively. Uh, I'm Kevin Knight, guys at Falcoholic Kevin. We're gonna have some more shows breaking down this game, uh, including a film review. Uh, we're also gonna have, of course, plenty of stuff breaking down the next matchup, which will be with the 49ers. Uh, yeah. Lots to come. Appreciate everyone for hanging out again. Uh, give us a like and subscribe. You can follow the show at Falcoholic Live. Check out thefalcoholic.com for all that tremendous hashtag content. Uh, until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your football Sunday. Uh, and we will see you guys next week from everyone here at the Falcoholic and the Falcoholic Live. Have a great night, folks. <laughs>